Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Chill with a Chapter Book. I'm Allison from the Wells Public Library. This season, we are reading The Land of Oz, the second book in the Wizard of Oz series by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 12, Mr. H.M. Wogglebug, T.E. Now, General Ginger, who, you will remember, commanded the Army of Revolt, was rendered very uneasy by the escape of the Scarecrow from the Emerald City. She feared, and with good reason, that if His Majesty and the Tin Woodman joined forces, it would mean danger to her and her entire army. But the people of Oz had not yet forgotten the deeds of those famous heroes who had passed successfully through so many startling adventures. So Ginger sent post-haste for old Mombi, the witch, and promised her large rewards if she would come to the assistance of the rebel army. Mombi was furious at the trick Tip had played upon her, as well as at his escape and the theft of the precious powder of life. So she needed no urging to induce her to travel to the Emerald City to assist Ginger in defeating the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman, who had made Tip one of their friends. Mombi had no sooner arrived at the royal palace than she discovered, by means of her secret magic, that the adventurers were starting upon their journey to the Emerald City. So she retired to a small room high up in a tower and locked herself in while she practiced such arts as she could command to prevent the return of the Scarecrow and his companions. That was why the Tin Woodman presently stopped and said, Something very curious has happened. I ought to know by heart every step of this journey, and yet I fear we have already lost our way. That is quite impossible, protested the Scarecrow. Why do you think, my dear friend, that we have gone astray? Why, here before us is a great field of sunflowers, and I never saw this field before in all my life. At these words they all looked around only to find that they were indeed surrounded by a field of tall stalks, every stalk bearing at its top a gigantic sunflower. And not only were these flowers almost blinding in their vivid hues of red and gold, but each one whirled around upon its stalk like a miniature windmill, completely dazzling the vision of the beholders and so mystifying them that they knew not which way to turn. "'It's witchcraft!' exclaimed Tip. While they paused, hesitating and wondering, the Tin Woodman uttered a cry of impatience and advanced with swinging axe to cut down the stalks before him. But now the sunflowers suddenly stopped their rapid whirling, and the travelers plainly saw a girl's face appear in the center of each flower." These lovely faces looked upon the astonished band with mocking smiles and then burst into a chorus of merry laughter at the dismay their appearance caused. Stop, stop, cried Tip, seizing the woodman's arm. They're alive, they're girls. At that moment, the flowers began whirling again and the faces faded away and were lost in the rapid revolutions. The Tin Woodman dropped his axe and sat down upon the ground. It would be heartless to chop down those pretty creatures, said he, despondently. And yet, I do not know how else we can proceed upon our way.
They look to me strangely. Like the faces of the army of revolt, mused the scarecrow. But I cannot conceive how the girls could have followed us here so quickly. I believe it's magic, said Tip positively, and that someone is playing a trick upon us. I've known old Mombi do things like that before. Probably it's nothing more than an illusion, and there are no sunflowers here at all. Then let us shut our eyes and walk forward, suggested the woodman. Excuse me, replied the scarecrow. My eyes are not painted to shut. Because you happen to have tin eyelids, you must not imagine we are all built in the same way. And the eyes of the sawhorse are not eyes, said Jack, leaning forward to examine them. Nevertheless, you must ride quickly forward, commanded Tip, and we will follow after you and so try to escape. My eyes are already so dazzled that I can scarcely see. So the pumpkin head rolled boldly forward, and Tip grasped the stub tail of the sawhorse and followed with closed eyes. The scarecrow and the tin woodman brought up the rear, and before they had gone many yards, a joyful shout from Jack announced that the way was clear before them. Then all paused to look backward, but not a trace of the field of sunflowers remained. More cheerfully now, they proceeded upon their journey. But old Mombi had so changed the appearance of the landscape that they would surely have been lost had not the scarecrow wisely concluded to take their direction from the sun. For no witchcraft could change the course of the sun, and it was therefore a safe guide. However, other difficulties lay before them. The sawhorse stepped into a rabbit hole and fell to the ground. The pumpkin head was pitched high into the air, and his history would probably have ended at that exact moment had not the tin woodman skillfully caught the pumpkin as it descended and saved it from injury. Tip soon had it fitted to the neck again and replaced Jack upon his feet. But the sawhorse did not escape so easily, for when his leg was pulled from the rabbit hole, it was found to be broken short off and must be replaced or repaired before he could go a step farther. This is quite serious, said the Tin Woodman. If there were trees nearby, I might soon manufacture another leg for this animal, but I cannot see even a shrub for miles around. And there are neither fences nor houses in this part of the Land of Oz, added the Scarecrow disconsolately. Then what shall we do? inquired the boy. I suppose I must start my brains working, replied His Majesty the Scarecrow, for experience has taught me that I can do anything if I but take time to think it out. Let us all think, said Tip, and perhaps we shall find a way to repair the sawhorse. So they sat in a row upon the grass and began to think, while the sawhorse occupied itself by gazing curiously upon its broken limb. Does it hurt? asked the Tin Woodman in a soft, sympathetic voice. Not in the least, returned the sawhorse, but my pride is injured to find that my anatomy is so brittle. For a time, the little group remained in silent thought. Presently, the Tin Woodman raised his head and looked over the fields. What sort of a creature is that which approaches us? he asked wonderingly. The others followed his gaze and discovered coming toward them 
the most extraordinary object they had ever beheld. It advanced quickly and noiselessly over the soft grass, and in a few minutes stood before the adventurers and regarded them with an astonishment equal to their own. The scarecrow was calm under all circumstances. Good morning, he said politely. The stranger removed his hat with a flourish, bowed very low, and then responded, Good morning, one and all. I hope you are, as an aggregation, enjoying excellent health. Permit me to present my card. With this courteous speech, it extended a card toward the scarecrow, who accepted it, turned it over and over, and then handed it with a shake of his head to Tip. The boy read aloud, Mr. H. M. Wogglebug, T.E. Dear me, ejaculated the pumpkin head, staring somewhat intently. How very peculiar, said the tin woodman. Tip's eyes were round and wondering, and the sawhorse uttered a sigh and turned away its head. Are you really a wogglebug? inquired the scarecrow. Most certainly, my dear sir, answered the stranger briskly. Is not my name upon the card? It is, said the scarecrow. But may I ask what H.M. stands for? H.M. means highly magnified, returned the wogglebug proudly. Oh, I see. The scarecrow viewed the stranger critically. And are you, in truth, highly magnified? Sir, said the wogglebug, I take you for a gentleman of judgment and discernment. Does it not occur to you that I am several thousand times greater than any wogglebug you ever saw before? Therefore, it is plainly evident that I am highly magnified, and there is no good reason why you should doubt the fact. Pardon me, returned the scarecrow. My brains are slightly mixed since I was last laundered. Would it be improper for me to ask also what the T-E at the end of your name stands for? Those letters express my degree, answered the Wogglebug with a condescending smile. To be more explicit, the initials mean that I am thoroughly educated. Oh, said the Scarecrow, much relieved. Tip had not yet taken his eyes off this wonderful personage. What he saw was a great round bug-like body supported upon two slender legs which ended in delicate feet the toes curling upward. The body of the Wogglebug was rather flat, and judging from what could be seen of it, was a glistening dark brown color upon the back, while the front was striped with alternate bands of light brown and white, blending together at the edges. Its arms were fully as slender as its legs, and upon a rather long neck was perched its head, not unlike the head of a man, except that its nose ended in a curling antenna, or a feeler, and its ears from the upper points bore antenna that decorated the sides of its head, like two miniature curling pigtails. It must be admitted that the round black eyes were rather bulging in appearance, but the expression upon the Wogglebug's face was by no means unpleasant. For dress, the insect wore a dark blue swallowtail coat with a yellow silk lining and a flower in the buttonhole, a vest of white duck 
that stretched tightly across the wide body, knickerbockers of fawn-colored plush fastened at the knees with gilt buckles, and purchased upon its small head was jauntily set a tall silk hat. Standing upright before our amazed friends, the Wogglebug appeared to be fully as tall as the Tin Woodman, and surely no bug in all the Land of Oz had ever before attained so enormous a size. I confess, said the Scarecrow, that your abrupt appearance has caused me surprise, and no doubt has startled my companions. I hope, however, that this circumstance will not distress you. We shall probably get used to you in time. Do not apologize, I beg of you, returned the Wogglebug earnestly. It affords me great pleasure to surprise people, for surely I cannot be classed with ordinary insects, and am entitled to both curiosity and admiration from those I meet. You are indeed, agreed his majesty. If you will permit me to seat myself in your august company, continued the stranger, I will gladly relate my history so that you will be better able to comprehend my unusual, may I say remarkable, appearance. You may say what you please, answered the Tin Woodman briefly. So the Wogglebug sat down upon the grass, facing the little group of wanderers, and told them the following story. Chapter 13, A Highly Magnified History It is but honest that I should acknowledge at the beginning of my recital that I was born an ordinary wogglebug, began the creature in a frank and friendly tone. Knowing no better, I used my arms as well as my legs for walking and crawled under the edges of stones or hid among the roots of grasses with no thought beyond finding a few insects smaller than myself to feed upon. The chill nights rendered me stiff and motionless, for I wore no clothing, but each morning the warm rays of the sun gave me new life and restored me to activity. A horrible existence is this. But you must remember, it is the regularly ordained existence of wogglebugs, as well as of many other tiny creatures that inhabit the earth. But destiny had singled me out, humble though I was, for a grander fate. One day I crawled near to a country schoolhouse, and my curiosity being excited by the monotonous hum of the students within, I made bold to enter and creep along a crack between two boards until I reached the far end where, in front of a hearth of glowing embers, sat the master at his desk. No one noticed so small a creature as a wogglebug, and then I found that the hearth was even warmer and more comfortable than the sunshine. I resolved to establish my future home beside it, so I found a charming nest between two bricks and hid myself therein for many, many months. Professor Know-it-all is, doubtless, the most famous scholar in the land of Oz, and after a few days I began to listen to the lectures and discourses he gave his pupils. Not one of them was more attentive than the humble, unnoticed Wogglebug, and I acquired in this way 
a fund of knowledge that I will myself confess is simply marvelous. That is why I place T.E. thoroughly educated upon my cards. For my greatest pride lies in the fact that the world cannot produce another wogglebug with a tenth part of my own culture and erudition. I do not blame you, said the scarecrow. Education is a thing to be proud of. I'm educated myself. The mess of brains given me by the great wizard is considered by my friends to be unexcelled. Nevertheless, interrupted the tin woodman, a good heart is, I believe, much more desirable than education or brains. To me, said the sawhorse, a good leg is more desirable than either. The wogglebug listened patiently, even respectfully, to these remarks, and then resumed his story. I must have lived fully three years in that secluded schoolhouse hearth, said he, drinking thirstily of the ever-flowing fount of limpid knowledge before me. Quite poetical, commented the scarecrow, nodding his head approvingly. But one day, continued the bug, a marvelous circumstance occurred that altered my very existence and brought me to my present pinnacle of greatness. The professor discovered me in the act of crawling across the hearth, and before I could escape, he had caught me between his thumb and forefinger. My dear children, said he, I have captured a wogglebug, a very rare and interesting specimen. Do any of you know what a wogglebug is? No, yelled the scholars in chorus. Then, said the professor, I will get out my famous magnifying glass and throw the insect upon a screen in a highly magnified condition that you may all study carefully its peculiar construction and become acquainted with its habits and manner of life. He then brought from a cupboard a most curious instrument, and before I could realize what had happened, I found myself thrown upon a screen in a highly magnified state, even as you now behold me. The students stood up on their stools and craned their heads forward to get a better view of me, and two little girls jumped upon the sill of an open window, where they could see more plainly. "'Behold!' cried the professor in a loud voice. "'This highly magnified wogglebug, one of the most curious insects in existence!' Being thoroughly educated and knowing what is required of a cultured gentleman, at this juncture I stood upright and, placing my hand upon my bosom, made a very polite bow. My action, being unexpected, must have startled them, for one of the little girls perched upon the window sill gave a scream and fell backward out the window, drawing her companion with her as she disappeared. The professor uttered a cry of horror and rushed away through the door to see if the poor children were injured by the fall. The scholars followed after him in a wild mob, and I was left alone in the schoolroom, still in a highly magnified state and free to do as I pleased. It immediately occurred to me that this was a good opportunity to escape. I was proud of my great size and realized that now I could safely travel anywhere in the world, while my superior culture would make me a fit associate for the most learned person I might chance to meet. So while the professor picked the little girls, who were more frightened than hurt, 
off the ground and the pupils clustered around him closely grouped, I calmly walked out of the schoolhouse, turned a corner, and escaped unnoticed to a grove of trees that stood near. Wonderful! exclaimed the pumpkin head admiringly. It was indeed, agreed the wogglebug. I have never ceased to congratulate myself for escaping while I was highly magnified, for even my excessive knowledge would have proved of little use to me had I remained a tiny, insignificant insect. I didn't know before, said Tip, looking at the wogglebug with a puzzled expression, that insects wore clothes. Nor do they in their natural state, returned the stranger. But in the course of my wanderings, I had the good fortune to save the ninth life of a tailor. Tailors having, like cats, nine lives, as you probably know. The fellow was exceedingly grateful, for had he lost that ninth life, it would have been the end of him. So he begged permission to furnish me with the stylish costume I wear now. It fits very nicely, does it not? And the wogglebug stood up and turned himself around slowly that all might examine his person. He must have been a good tailor, said the scarecrow, somewhat enviously. He has a good-hearted tailor at any rate, observed Nick Chopper. But where were you going when you met us? Tip asked the wogglebug. Nowhere in particular, was the reply, although it is my intention soon to visit the Emerald City arranged to give a course of lectures to select audiences on the advantages of magnification. We are bound for the Emerald City now, said the Tin Woodman, so if it pleases you to do so, you are welcome to travel in our company. The Wogglebug bowed with profound grace. It will give me great pleasure, said he, to accept your kind invitation for nowhere in the land of Oz could I hope to meet with so congenial a company. That is true, acknowledged the pumpkin head. We are quite as congenial as flies and honey. But pardon me if I seem inquisitive. Are you not all rather... <clears throat> rather unusual? asked the wogglebug, looking from one to another with unconcealed interest. Not more so than yourself, answered the scarecrow. Everything in life is unusual, until you get accustomed to it. What rare philosophy, exclaimed the wogglebug admiringly. Yes, my brains are working well today, admitted the scarecrow, an accent of pride in his voice. Then, if you are sufficiently rested and refreshed, let us bend our steps toward the Emerald City, suggested the magnified one. We can't, said Tip. The sawhorse has broken a leg, so he can't bend his steps, and there's no wood around to make him a new limb from, and we can't leave the horse behind because the pumpkin head is so stiff in his joints that he has to ride. How very unfortunate, cried the wogglebug. Then he looked the party over carefully and said, If the pumpkin head is to ride, why not use one of his legs to make a leg for the horse that carries him? I judge that both are made of wood. Now that is what I call real cleverness, said the scarecrow approvingly. I wonder my brains did not think of that long ago. Get to work, my dear Nick, and fit the pumpkinhead's leg to the sawhorse. 
Jack was not especially pleased with this idea, but he submitted to having his left leg amputated by the Tin Woodman and whittled down to fit the left leg of the sawhorse. Nor was the sawhorse especially pleased with the operation either, for he growled a good deal about being butchered, as he called it, and afterward declared that the new leg was a disgrace to a respectable sawhorse. I beg you to be more careful in your speech, said the pumpkin head sharply. Remember, if you please, that it is my leg you are abusing. I cannot forget it, retorted the sawhorse, for it is quite as flimsy as the rest of your person. Flimsy? Me flimsy? cried Jack in a rage. How dare you call me flimsy? Because you are built as absurdly as a jumping jack, sneered the horse, rolling his naughty eyes in a vicious manner. Even your head won't stay straight, and you never can tell whether you are looking backwards or forward. Friends, I entreat you not to quarrel, pleaded the tin woodman anxiously. As a matter of fact, we are none of us above criticism, so let us bear with each other's faults. An excellent suggestion, said the Wogglebug approvingly. You must have an excellent heart, my metallic friend. I have, returned Nick, well pleased. My heart is quite the best part of me, but now let us start upon our journey. They perched the one-legged pumpkin head upon the sawhorse and tied him to his seat with cords so that he could not possibly fall off. And then, following the lead of the scarecrow, they all advanced in the direction of the Emerald City.